struggling on how to begin this podcast but welcome everybody to another emergency episode of the tkw podcast it's our second emergency podcast of the week but this one is much more serious i'm anthony corbo joining me as he does every week is kyle maggio hey guys um before before we get to uh the news you know, the normal stuff, follow us everywhere, subscribe, all that good stuff. You know what to do at this point. I can't hold it back any longer. Christoph Porzingis is no longer a New York Nick. He was traded today uh, along with Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, and Trey Burke in that deal as well, I believe I saw. Correct. Trey Burke as well. For for Wesley Matthews, Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, and now what's looking to be reported as two first-round picks. Um. Wow, there's there's a lot to talk about here. Where where do you want to start? Do we want to go back for the beginning from what we first heard like two hours ago? We're recording at five thirty on uh on obviously Thursday, by the way. Let let's um because uh I I've been saying this more lately as as the train has sort of come off the tracks here in recent weeks, but I I've said this a few times on the pod. I'm disoriented. Um, I'm, I'm bewildered. I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, my initial reaction is they, they paid the Mavericks in a Kristaps Porzingis to salary dump Phil Jackson's Courtney Lee signing and Steve Mills, Tim Hardaway Jr. signing. And, um, It is in the in the present moment, and I said this on my uh, Periscope earlier from the Knicks Wall account, which uh, many of you tuned in for, and I'm thankful for that. We had a, a good little venting session, and um, it's just profoundly stupid in the present. And this is me speaking probably irrationally and probably very angry and upset and distraught. Um, it's profoundly stupid in the present moment. Because they are going to waive DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews by the time everybody hears this. Uh, that's been hinted at. That seems to be the plan. So basically, you you are trading Kristaps Porzingis for cap space for two free agents, max free agents, and Dennis Smith Jr. is basically what it comes down to in a couple of future first-round picks. So um, unprotected, and the, and the years have not been given out yet. Let, let's, let's sit on that for a second. We, we definitely have... I've been processing a lot of different thoughts about this. I've gone back and forth on what exactly my opinion would be on this trade. But it's kind of funny what you just said because I think the number one thing that I am right now is angry. I'm just pissed off at this whole fucking situation, man. Like, this is exactly what we're not supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be rebuilding this team around Kristaps Porzingis and, you know, these draft picks and everything. And we were going to try it this way because we had never fucking done it before. Um, and then it's 
I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that the value is too far off, especially with the two first round picks that uh, are now being discussed. They're going to the Knicks. Obviously those are not going to be, you know, top tier lottery picks because they're now fielding a team that's going to have Chris stops and Luca on it, presumably moving forward. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's still something Dennis Smith jr. Is still something he's still definitely, I think in the Knicks plant at this point, but you're right. Then you're just, you have the salary dumps of Deandre Jordan and you have, you know, Wesley Matthews coming back in there and the whole way that this all got out too. It's just like, you know, at first it, you know, it's reported that Chris stops has this meeting with management that, you know, left him very heated and he was frustrated about the direction of the team and then essentially suggested that he would like to leave. And then 20 minutes later, there's a deal on the table with the Dallas Mavericks, who you played last night in a game, remember? So it's just like, you know, this obviously has been in the works for a while. They're trying to keep it quiet. Meanwhile, we're all blindsided over here thinking that they're going to try to make a move for him on Anthony Davis, uh, which now is completely out of the question. So, you know, that's wonderful. We got Dennis Smith Jr. instead. But it's just... You know, and then what I can only assume happened is that KP goes in there, feels upset that he's being considered in this deal and everything. Tells the Knicks, I think also a big part of it is that he he makes it clear with the Knicks that he's going to accept his qualifying offer this summer, and he's not going to sign a long-term deal like we all assumed he would at this point. Um, right. I, I I honestly think that this that was kind of the uh, you know crucible behind all this that kind of pushed the pushed it all along, but. You know, because that's that's obviously big when it comes to Dallas too. That he's not going to be re-signing with them, but you know, it, or or I'm sorry, that he's going to take the qualifying offer and would essentially like to become an unrestricted free agent. But yeah, it's just this is unbelievable. So, so I have multiple responses to what you said. First of all, so everybody listening, you know, we take our quality very very seriously, and um, I I always I, I like to get you guys. We like to get you guys the most topical and fastest breaking content we can. And sometimes that means recording from my uh, my phone while I'm driving home from work, while Anthony graciously tries to patch it all together. So I do apologize for any audio uh, quality drop off. I just want to get that out of the way. Uh, not that you guys care, but I care and Anthony cares. And I just want to make that clear. So the second thing you mentioned about, well, you know, they want to read, you know, they, uh, they're, they're going to rebuild now. Well, you know, we were rebuilding and, the big issue with Phil getting fired was Phil Jackson got fired because he wanted to rebuild by trading a 21-year-old KP. We just traded a 23-year-old KP. So my issue with that is, well, the whole point of the fucking rebuild is to get a draft pick that hits and turns into a star that you can then supplement him with other draft picks or, or auxiliary right. free agent signings. And to me, that's what I thought that they had. They had, uh, and again, whether or not they were going to pan out was a different story, but you, you finally hit with a KP who was 23. And instead of holding on to him dearly, you you move him in a salary dump, basically. And you can call it what you want. And I think recouping assets and Dennis Smith Jr. and a couple of first-round picks is very, very smart and important. I don't want to sweep that under the rug either. But it's not nearly as important as retaining a KP. And I think it's counterintuitive, Anthony, because the whole point of clearing free, uh, you know, cap space for this summer and, and 2020 is that you sign a star to a max deal. But you had Kristaps Porzingis, who was a star right. who could sign a max deal. And this is my second point is the Knicks had all the leverage. You call him out every time on that. A, a 
a player who hasn't even had any kind of a real payday yet, he's still on his rookie contract, a player who's playing for a max deal, coming off of an ACL tear, and the most money he could get was through the Knicks, and or now the Mavericks, whichever team that he's on. And for me, you call that bluff every time. Every time. You are 7-3 coming off an ACL injury. You want to go take a 5 or $7 million qualifying offer to become an unrestricted free agent for 2020? Go right the fuck ahead. You call that bluff every single time. Every single time. The Knicks had all the leverage and instead swapped Kristaps Porzingis out for cap space. I just, I don't, the only way that this makes sense is if, and this is truly fucking delusional, truly, <laughs> truly delusional after the last 20 years of being an Knicks fan. The only way that this makes any kind of sense, any, and by any, I mean even a half of a single percentage amount of sense, is if, for some reason, the Knicks talk themselves into believing that they have a wink-wink sort of deal with any of the max free agent guys, and that could be Durant or Kyrie that have been previously rumored, so has a Jimmy Butler who's recently been less happy um, with this Philadelphia situation. Uh, it could be in a Kawhi. Could, there are a well, lot of guys in, in 2019, but unless they thought they had a wink-wink deal, then, this is the last thing I promise, and then I'm going right back no, to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. The, then, if that's the, to me, that's the only way that this deal makes sense. Because then you take a swing at all the big free agents, and then even if it doesn't, you're back to rebuild square one if you swing and miss without a star. So it is a – basically what I don't like is that this went from a tremendous gamble for Kristaps Porzingis and his camp with taking that qualifying offer next year. And he, basically, in my opinion, I think you're better served using KP to try to draw a max free agent. Right. I don't and, – and instead, it's turned into a gamble for the Knicks. And it's only – it's the most Nixy thing that could ever happen that they had all the leverage and Kate, and forced basically Kristaps into a bad situation where, to me, honestly, you can't say no to that. You can't, you can't say no to $150 million after tearing your ACL before getting your first big payday. You can't say no. You can't. You can't it's unprecedented. It's unprecedented. And if he did it, it – pro- listen, he's pro- – I've always assumed he was going to be healthy. So that's not the issue. I'm not going to say – he isn't healthy, but to me, it's just such a big gamble, and he's getting just preposterously bad advice. But even still, the Knicks had all the leverage. All they had to do was go, okay, if that's what you want to do, you're going to be here this year. You're going to be here next year, and whatever you do is whatever you do. We're going to give you a max contract, so if you don't want to sign it, I don't know what to tell you. And I just I, – I don't, I don't get it. To me, you, you cannot believe that they have a wink-wink offer on the table after 20 years of ineptitude and basically, we're right back at square one, in my opinion. Well, because to me, we've always been, okay, well, you know what? The superstar is going to come. Look at all this cap space we have. We'll get somebody, right? And then the somebody is $100 million of Amari Stoudemire fully guaranteed. And I understand the 2010 situation is different, but the, the stakes are the same, which is we don't have a star. We're hoping a couple of young guys pan out and we have cap space. And I hate it. And now if they swing and miss and they go back into rebuild mode, cool. But to me, then how many more of these seasons are we going to have like the one we just had now? I, I, don't, I don't like it. I, I don't like it. I don't like the logic. I don't like the implications. And the, the payoff is, and I will say this for everybody listening who might have criticism to what I'm saying, if they land a Durant and or a, a, a Kyrie or somebody else, I will open the show 
before Anthony can even introduce my introduce me and call myself an idiot. I will roast myself. We can play back my rant and laugh at it, and I will call myself the biggest moron in the world. But I don't think that's what's happening here, and I don't know how you could have good faith in that happening if you're a fan of this team and you're under. I mean, look what's happened here. Well, are right, you good? I'm good? I have to. I, 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 tried, I, I need I'm, to I'm explain. Sorry. No, it, it's. There's a certain amount of catharsis. There's a great amount of catharsis that's going on between us right now, because I have no like this is this is the only way we can alleviate the great pressure that was just slammed against us for the last two hours. Um, that has been the cause of several years of frustration. It goes back, right? It's like now it just feels like winning 17 games was for nothing. You know, it feels like this whole period of time in between, like basically. 2014 to now was all for shit because we're basically back in the same position. We're even worse now. And, you know, we don't even have that that gem that was supposed to be the thing that carried us through. And, like, going way back, it's like, you're exactly right. No, no team wins a title. No team, you know, has ever taken home a victory, like, in the NBA championship because they were raised fully, you know, they were fully a homegrown team. They were fully raised through the draft or they were fully you know, brought together through free agency. You need to do both of those things. The next, you know, this whole process or the next tanking and everything like that, like that was to put them in a position to acquire the draft picks to alleviate, you know, some of the timeline and getting back to their top tier level. You know, right now you're taking out a huge piece of that. And it's, but again, it could all work out. It could all not work out. This is, this might be the biggest gamble that the Knicks as a team have taken I'm, I'm tempted to say since like this fucking like in 20 years, it's incredible. It's, it's just like they're, li- they're just, this move is them essentially risking it all. If they, if they don't get, if they don't get like Kyrie and KD, I mean, you know, and then also hit on that, you know, and uh, get the number one pick in the draft and get Zion. Like if all that happens, then you're in great shape. The Knicks made a great move here. You know, KP becomes, you know, you, you can disregard him and you move forward and you're a competitive team instantly. But, you know, it's it's not even totally likely that one of those things work out, let alone all of those things. So we have to okay. keep a we have seventy four million dollars worth of cash space this summer. You know, we have a pretty much at this point, I mean, completely guaranteed uh, top three pick, especially without Tim Hardaway Jr. on the team any longer. Um, it, like. This is just, there is so, so much risk involved. Do we want to, I mean, where do you want to pivot off a little bit differently? Do you want to look at the other elements of this trade as well? Yes, I just have, I have two last quick notes. Three, actually, and they are actually very quick. A lot of you guys got after us about even hinting that KP could be uh, traded for an Anthony Davis. And wow, would you guys have rather this this crazy? yeah this i mean this is a, you know this I mean? is a stunning like, stunning like differential between the what that what could have been and what is now like that's really like, what is super frustrating about this though is that anthony davis is still on the table the trade deadline is in a week like i just this whole thing i mean just the way that it came out the way that you know it was so twisted all together it was supposed to be something where, like, you know, the trade was done in, like, 20 minutes or something like that. That never happens. 
you know, this has been planned for a long time and they tried to present it like, you know, it was something that happened very quickly. And, you know, clearly it's like not only is KP gone, but he didn't get a very ceremonious exit out of New York and now he's going to be vilified. And now there's always going to be this thing there. And that just sucks to see, you know, a guy that we're rooting so hard for up until, you know, noon today. Yeah, so um, the other couple of notes I wanted to say, too, is uh, I tried to warn everybody. Oh, and, you're just playing again, I told you now. No, well, well, this one I am. I tried to warn everybody for the last, since the summer, when everybody was saying that the culture has changed, the culture is new, everything's better, Perry and Fisdale, every, everything was going to be better. And, and you guys know I like Perry, and you guys know I like Fisdale. This is not, this is not news. But this is what we talk about when we say being cautious about trying to declare that the culture has changed or improving or is getting better. You can't say the culture has changed because you hired a couple of new people. That's what the Phil Jackson hire was, too. You can't say that the culture has changed because you drafted a couple of rookies and they look better than expected. You can't say the culture has changed just because you have a bunch of kids. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. At the end of the day, what matters is is this team actually on the path to winning? And what we know based off of the last 20 years and then this move is that it hasn't. It hasn't. Now, again, if they land big free agents this summer, that's fantastic. But you can't bet on that after 20 years of what we just saw and dealt with and lived through and rooted for and, and watched and talked about and wrote about. You cannot in good faith go, it's okay, they're going to get two max free agents. They're not. They're just not. So the culture hasn't changed. The culture will have changed when they have multiple consecutive, truly like consecutive winning seasons. Like the Carmelo era was that, but it wasn't. It was still dysfunctional. It was weird. They were barely over 500, save for the 54 win season. Um, but he still couldn't attract other guys, and they were fined and, and and they fucked up the amnesty. You know, like it was all dysfunction. And to me, this was a very reactionary trade, and it just seems like more of the same. And again. If they get somebody, great. But then the other component, too, Anthony, is everybody goes, well, okay, but what about Zion? Guys, we have a 14% chance at Zion and an 86% chance at everybody else. So while I would love Zion, he is far from a guarantee. He's not even a coin flip. So so what are we doing here? Yeah. The, you know, the... I, I, just, I, I, just don't, I just don't know how anybody can be enthused from this. I, I mean— I'm distraught, and I can see. And then at the end of the day, like you're saying, like now we can pivot. At the end of the day, they have a stable of young talent. I don't know who's going to pan out and who isn't. I saw a rumor from a a source that I don't know online if it's credible or not that Frank Nielakina is in talks for uh, to go to Orlando or maybe Phoenix. And for Phoenix, it's sent to Jackson. I have a hard time feeling that but, like they do that to this franchise or to the fan base. They know how. But but I man, I, I just don't know. But, but my point is, so I understand. Now we're going to pivot. I'm going to get out of, like, the, the angry rant mode. I'm going to try my best. Uh, bear with us. This is very difficult for us. So best case scenario, Anthony. Lots of cap space. Everybody's on rookie deals, right? You would think by the numbers that some of these guys have to pan out. Statistically, Maybe not a star, but some of them have to pan out, right? Like, a couple of them have to be legit, and that means you have a bunch of rookie-scale guys you hope can become legit, 
and you have all the money to sign the guys to supplement them going forward, right? So in that sense, I get it. I understand. But it's like that just feels like such a shitty consolation prize to what we had. And maybe maybe KP wasn't lying. Maybe his camp wasn't lying. And they said, you know what? Our guy's fully fucking healthy. We're taking him the qualifying offer, and we're going to go pick somewhere else, and we're not playing in fucking New York City. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe they weren't bluffing. Maybe they knew for a fact that KP wasn't going to sign it. And if that's the case, and we will find the details out eventually for sure, um, then I would feel a little bit better about it. All right. But well, let's talk a little bit about what they actually did get back. You know, Chris Ops is gone. He's not coming back. There are pieces that are coming back to New York in this trade. So the first two we could talk about is uh, DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, who will both likely be waived. Um, those are pretty much buyout candidates. I don't see them sticking around the team, you know, at all. They don't. They don't really mesh with the Knicks' plans, unless you know they could see DeAndre Jordan as a mentor to like Mitchell Robinson or something like that. Uh, but I don't know if that fits with his career plan. So, you know, I doubt that happens. Um, Otherwise, you know, we're looking at Dennis Smith Jr. was a big piece that came back, a, which is just a, an act of, of God, basically. It was just destiny that, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. would be a Nick one day. Um, the other things coming back are uh, two first-round picks. I want to talk a little bit about them, too, because I think something interesting could happen. But well, Dennis Smith Jr. played the Knicks last night, which is, you know, interesting. Uh, had a triple-double. Um what give, what are your thoughts on him finally fulfilling his destiny and becoming a Nick? Okay, so, and I'm going to try to say this in the least slanderous way possible because um, there's no way to say that we got equal value or won or anything truly good from this trade, but I will say this. Um, you know that I was sort of high in Dennis Smith Jr., and I've taken a lot of criticism for this, and I don't care. He's He's an NBA player. Uh, we saw him last night who, you know, he had a triple-double. I think he had 13 points, 13 assists, and 10 rebounds, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he played really well. And he's played better this season. He's been more efficient. Uh, he's been playing off-ball, but he's been better defensively, too. It seems like playing him at the two is a little bit of a, a help for him defensively versus making him, the, you know, the, the, the one and having to deal with those guards. So he has made improvements and taking strides. The problem is nobody cares because of Luka Doncic and I don't really blame them either, but I think that, you know, Dennis Smith is a legitimate player and I think that he's somebody who can really develop because he's showing it in Dallas and nobody's paying close enough attention. And I don't know what his ceiling is, but you know, the, and I have watched Mavericks games too, just for everybody speculating. It's not just a uh, box score watching. I, I they played, what, 50-ish games? I probably watched maybe 10 to 15. It's not a ton, but you get the gist. You know, I've seen highlights and things, too, so uh, gone through some film. You know, it's listen to the Mavs guys on Twitter, most importantly. Uh, one word of advice to everybody. Don't assume you know it all from box scores and stats. Just please follow the local people who cover the teams, and you'll get an accurate read of what's happening. And that's the sense that I got from a lot of those guys is, uh, which matched my own opinion, which is that he is improving. Um, it's not drastic, and it's not like to Doncic levels, as everyone probably wishes it was. But, you know, he's he's a guy who can really get to the rim and break down a defense. And, you know, he leaves a lot to be desired with his passing and his vision, but um, he's still a capable passer. 
you know, uh, he's had games where we would throw a parade if Frank threw that many assists. And um, as much as I love Frank, it's just, I don't know if they're going to move on from him. I almost hope that they, and I, I believe nothing. It just seems like they're burning everything down except for this year's draft class. But uh, I almost kind of hope that they would just pair Frank and Dennis Smith Jr. at the one and the two. I'd rather see uh, Dennis Smith at the one, Frank at the two, and see what happens. I think they'd complement each other really, really nicely. Re- rebuilding um, the rebuild is crazy. Well. Yeah, that, that, I, that's my problem, Anthony. I don't know how we got here. Like, it happened. I, I don't know then how. We were not here on Christmas I, I Day. Like, is, is, uh, do you think that maybe this is just like retribution for sending Ennis Cantor to the bench? Are, are, we, I, I just, are we cursed? I, I mean, yeah, we're cursed. But... For, listen, I just think this is retribution for James Dolan. And, mm. and I'll be completely honest with you. And I'm a big Perry guy. And you know how much I hate every time we hire somebody new. And then within a year, everybody goes, fire him. But I think you. Are you, you about to cannot, say fire Perry? You cannot. <laughs> You cannot, and I'm not saying right now, you cannot make a trade like this and get nobody this summer and then keep your job. And I'm not, and you could, I almost wouldn't even fire Perry. And I think people maybe would disagree with me there, but somebody has to pay. And I've never been that guy, but somebody has to pay. And to me, that at the, at the least, at the very fucking least, Steve Mills has to go. At the very least, I I, you know, you I don't know what Mills does for anybody. He he basically, the, the, to my understanding, he's supposed to oversee Steve Mills, but they're kind of in cahoots together. They they're supposed to be a Wait, partnership. Steve Mills oversees Steve Mills, or Steve Mills oversees Scott Perry. I I, I, Anthony, I wish I knew. <laughs> Nobody knows what happens in, in the Knicks front office. I, I I think Perry's made a lot of really. This is what bothers me too. Is is. I've stuck my neck out this last year and a half and, and said, you know, Perry's been really good and competent, even when everybody said, you know, and I'm not saying that, that means I thought the culture was changing, but I thought he was just making regular NBA team moves, like what a normal team would do. Maybe not an overly smart one, but not a dumb one either. He was just making normal moves to sort of structure for the future and get a couple of assets. Again, nothing groundbreaking, but that's what he was doing. So I like Perry. It, this does not match up with what was happening here for the last year and a half. It just does not make sense. So somebody, to me, you do this and you lose KP and you don't call his bluff and you have all the leverage in the world and you swing and miss on a, on a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving. And I can't believe I'm even going to say it, but a Jimmy Butler, even though that makes no sense unless another star is coming, you know, on, on a Kawhi Leonard. If you swing and miss on every fucking body, and you traded KP when you had all the fucking leverage in, in a, a negotiation situation. Somebody's got to pay for that. We've got a couple more things real quick before we wrap this up. Um, two first round picks. Uh, it's being reported by Woes and Shams coming back to the, uh, to the Knicks from the Mavericks. I have some speculation that may or may not be proven or, you know, disproven by the time this podcast is out and people are listening. But um, so the Mavericks sent their 2019 uh, first round pick to the Atlanta Hawks in the Trey Young, Luka Doncic swap, but it was top five protected. Do you think if it does land in that top five that uh, they would, they like, that would be the pick that's included in this deal. And then they'll just put like something that conveys to be like, 2021 and 2023 first round picks after that. Uh, I, I, 
Do you think they're smart enough was, to think of that? I'm, I was legitimately listening to you, and then I got lost in my own sadness and blanked out. Can you? It, that's a real thing that happened. Can you please repeat <laughs> what you just said so I can answer it? Uh, so, you know, that whole trade that happened with Luka Doncic and Trey Young? Yes? Okay. Yes. Uh, Dallas sent that first round pick out to them, but it was top five protected. Uh, so I'm wondering if maybe that pick is included in this deal if it lands in the top five. And if not, like it'll convey into 20, if not, it conveys and it becomes like 2021 and 2023. Uh, because that's probably other, if they can't get the pick this year, then I'm pretty sure those are the earliest, that's the earliest point the Knicks can get first round picks from the Mavericks. Yeah, I mean, obviously you would hope that they can. I, it'd be weird if it was structured around that, but that would, if that's the way that it's structured, then I have then I'm I'm over the moon about this trade. Uh, I highly doubt that's what it ends up being, though. I highly doubt that's what it ends up being, and and one one saving grace to my point about calling um, everybody delusional for thinking somebody's someone's gonna come here this summer. Uh, somebody that I follow on Twitter who has been one of my first follows on NBA Twitter since I joined in 2009, Nate Jones at Jones on the NBA. Uh, he's a player agent. He's been in this business for a long time. Um, oh, somebody just pulled up next to me. That was very strange. Um, cause I pulled over in a shady lot. So. Oh, good. Well, yep. So this is, it's a very old vehicle. It looks like a serial killer would have been oh, in. Good. Uh, okay. They're turning around. We're safe. Cool. So, Nate Jones, Nate Jones, he said, the thing I'll say about the Knicks is you don't make a deal like that unless you know the odds are in your favor to come up big this summer. Something is up. And you follow that up with the Knicks didn't dump a guy of KP's level to create space. Neither did the Bulls. You do not dump young players of real value unless you know something is up. And and Anthony, I I want to believe it because logically it makes sense. Why would you move on from Chris Stepps? Why would you enrage your fan base like this? unless something better was coming. And the answer to that question oh, has often been because they are the Knicks. It, it, because they yeah, are the Yeah, the, the logic behind this is delusion. I, there, I mean, there's no way to get around it. It's just, the, it's just, this is the team, this is the destiny, this is what we've chosen. Um, oh, let's see. I ran a poll earlier today. Let's see what the results are right now. Um, we're getting a little out of emergency pod territory here, but. You know, we got a lot to, lot to talk about here. Um, wait, I wanna, I wanna talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. real quick though. You have long assessed that THJ was an asset of positive value. Yeah. Um, kind of, it kind of feels like he was thrown into this trade. Well, uh, yeah, just to clear the cap space and everything. So. I mean, obviously the Knicks are going to be in rough shape without him, you know, handling the scoring load for the team for the rest of the year. But like, obviously you have a disagreement with, you know, them not really getting more back for Tim Hardaway, or do you think they maybe got enough value out of this trade to merit him being in there? I stand by that he has value. I know every everybody else listening is probably rolling their eyes right now, uh, getting ready to to say something, whether it's via Twitter or in the comments on YouTube, but. Um, he has value, guys. Like, this is a 10-win team, and he was signed to this roster, what, a year and a half ago to be a second or third option. And he got asked to be, be, be basically the captain of a 
truly horrific team. And to me, that context is so important and so glossed over. And uh, I think what we're going to see in Dallas is sort of how he's supposed to fit and play off of the Luka Doncic. And I think that's the and We'll see if KP even plays there or how long he plays there or what the deal is. But, um, you know, the plan was to pair him with KP. So I think putting a, a slashing three-point shooting type guard next to those players is is smart. And I think you can probably short that lineup up with defenders. Doncic isn't a good defender. Uh, Timmy is, is surely not. And KP, we know, is an elite rim protector. So I think Tim, you know, Tim playing with those guys, at least offensively, I think it's going to go really, really well. And I think you're going to see his efficiency increase and probably see uh, a few of those, you know, a few less of those boneheaded turnovers we see from him when he's trying to do too much because um, he wasn't supposed to be a 20 point per game scorer. You know, he wasn't supposed to be the, the focal point or the main cog on this team. He was supposed to just be a helper, you know, that that second or third op- option and and try to make them run. And he got tasked with being the guy. And I think what people overlook, too, is there's a skill in being the guy. It takes a lot of effort and work to successfully be the guy efficiently, and, you know, on both ends. That's not just making shots, but also playing good defense. And some guys aren't made for it. And I think Tim gave his best effort, and he wasn't very good at it. I don't think that's an indictment of him as the player he's supposed to be. You know, the one we saw last year playing second fiddle to KP and the one that he figures to be in Dallas. So, Again, if I'm wrong on, on him being a Dallas and the rest of his career, I'll eat crow. But to me, um, yeah. All right. Well, let's save the rest of this conversation for tonight when we talk to Brian. Uh, we're going to record a little bit more later. I'll put this one out now uh, for all of you to hear. And then, you know, we'll probably do a part two later on tonight. Um, man, is it? Can, can we just end on this note, though? That the it's so sad that the uh, the best most actualized full season sample we got of KP was him playing next to Derrick Rose and Melo in the Super Team year. You know what the saddest thing is, Anthony? What, is, what that is that the last memory? And this is almost how we can even leave the pod if you want, because it is a a sobering sobering thought. the The last image that we will ever see of Kristaps Porzingis in a Knicks uniform was him tearing his ACL against the Milwaukee Bucks. Do you think that that was the same kid? Wouldn't that be so fucking hilarious if, like, the first moment we have a Chris Osworzingas is that kid booing, and then the last moment is him watching on as his leg is all torn up? Like, honestly, that child defines the era of Chris Osworzingas. The era's over. End of an era. Yeah, and the Knicks Knicks just, uh, they just released the official presser that he got traded what time is it 603 on the east coast p.m january 31st 2019 christophs porzingis is officially no longer a nick we'll talk to you all later